Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 139 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hello. And my husband Dylan's the sound recordist. Hello. Excellent. Very polite today. Uh, Mystery alert. Oh, mystery alert. Let's hear. Okay. You guys know little free libraries? Yes. I'm sure you do. Yes. Oh, gosh. Are they all part of the conspiracy? Oh, I no. I mean, that's a different mystery. Maybe. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I, I'm surprised you listen to this podcast and don't know what a little free library is. <laughs> um, but they're like little, Some a lot of times they're made to look like little houses on posts and people uh, put books in them. And it's a library. It's like, a, you know, like when you stay at a hotel and you... Take a book, leave a book. Exactly. So... On my street, someone has put up mm-hmm. um, a post with a little tiny house on it. It's mm-hmm. purple and orange. Mm-hmm. But every other little free, free library I've seen has like a window or like a clear portion so that the books are protected from the elements, right? Mm-hmm. And you can, but you can see inside. Mm-hmm. This this house has no apparent way to open it <gasps> and no window. Is it a birdhouse? It's not a birdhouse. Toby, that's there's, a birdhouse. There, no, but there's no hole for the, like there's no entrance so it's just a box it's, it's like the toby i might it's have like the your men answer in black here. headquarters oh andrew might have it well there might not be a hole on the front or any way to open it are there is there a little slit on the bottom or anything like that i have not looked at the bottom because i respect his it privacy it could be a bat house <gasps> which are a different shape Ooh. and bats because they are quite small and compressed through things will use usually bottom entrances that have that are very small so it could be a bat house I would love it if you reached in looking for a book and oh, a bat came no. out. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to investigate. This is why I wanted to propose. It's a mystery. Pages, tune in next time. I will do some more investigating. I'll stick my hand up its bottom. Yes. And figure out what's going on. Put a picture up on Instagram <laughs> on the stories and, mm, and yeah. maybe we can get feedback. If it is a little free library, I want to throw shade at the person who designed it because it's the least friendly one. But then it is like a friendly color. Wait. It's very mystifying to me. Do the mm. books have little wings on them? Yeah, and they bite. Did Dracula make this? He was <laughs> <laughs> going, ha, ha, ha. Literacy is for everyone. I may have told this story on the podcast before, so forgive me if I haven't. But when Jillian and I were looking at wedding venues, we went on this lovely trip uh, to Seattle, where she's from. Uh, and we were stopping for this afternoon. We got like ice cream and there was this little free library and these tourists were visiting and this little boy could not understand the concept of a free library. He did not believe he could take a book. He thought it was stealing. <laughs> he oh. had to be convinced by his father to be like, no, you, you you can take it. We'll just, we'll find another one of these. And he was like, but who knows when we'll be back here? We're so far away from oh. home. We'll never be able to put wow. the book back. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And yet I'm worried that that kid is going to have neuroses when he grows up. And I was just going to say that. That seems like an anxious kid. Yeah. Wait until he finds out about big libraries. <laughs> but I don't understand. To be, to in his defense, it was very close to a bookstore, so I could see his slight confusion, and uh, I think they had just come out of the bookstore. But still, it was very cute. Uh, okay. How old was this child, and what book did he get? He didn't take a book. He could not be convinced. Oh, wow. What a what sad if he, story. He was probably about 11. 
What if he okay. ended up taking 11. the book and then his dad was like, oh, that was a test. You failed. <laughs> Vacation over. He, he re- shuts a suitcase. He reaches for the books. It's full of bats. <laughs> uh, Dylan and I have been looking for a new apartment because we need more room for the bebe. Mm. Um, and we like to tour the apartments. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Even if like we know we're not going to end up on them. Sometimes we're like, I'm kind of curious about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And just Our like secret to, lives. Like to waste the realtor's time. Anyway, we showed up at one, which is the one we ended up signing a lease on. And next door was a little free library. And I'm like, yep, this one. Sweet. But I hadn't but, even gone in yet. But. Does it have, did it have any good books in it? Well, no. Dylan, why don't you explain your issue with it? My many issues that it has in it is zero the fact books about spies. It has magazines in it. Yeah, it has oh. like like someone's recipe to, cards and like Vanity Fairs that are old. To be fair, that's not the fault of the little free library. It's the fault of the nerds who put those in there. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, I disagree. It's chaos because somebody is in charge of that little free library. If you put one up, you are in charge of it, and really? you must take care of it. Huh. Is well, it like uh, is it like Pokemon Go, where you can like battle people <laughs> for the control of the little free library? No, but related is you can turn them into Pokemon Go Pokestops, and I'm going to do it to that one so that I have Heck a Pokestop. Yeah from my living room that's pretty sweet also why are we moving to the other apartment bailey uh, okay also okay there's built-in bookshelf that's really nice oh you can't beat a cool built-in bookshelf so cool the um the realtor who was showing it to us was very apologetic like they didn't even post the picture of the bookshelf in the ad They're like sorry the last person that was here was a professor and he put it up but you know you know we could take it down i'm like i love it <laughs> So I'm really excited. I've been thinking about like, how am I going to put the books up? Am I going to do them color coded? <laughs> um, also, you know, just throwing this in there, like no big deal. I did pick up four new books this week and moving on. Shame. Oh, wait, wait, shame. <laughs> Tell us your shame. Well, I mm-hmm. already, okay. This is a very Bailey thing. I had Samantha Irby's book, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. And mm-hmm. I was very excited to read it. It's on the to read list. Then I realized that it's not the first book. It's the second one she wrote. And they're essays. It doesn't matter the order. But I was yeah, like, I, certainly have, not. I have to get the first one. So I got the first one. And then I was like, might as well get the third one. Bailey. Cool. So no, You yeah, still haven't yeah. read any of her work. No. You, you could hate it. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I will, but I could. What so, are the other two titles? Um, one is called Meaty. And one is called Wow. No, thank you. I've seen that title. What a great title. It's great. Mm. So, you know, I have never read Samantha Irby, but I have three of her books now. Mm-hmm. I also picked up Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, um, which has been you know, one of those buzzy titles. And then I picked up Grady Hendrick's book, Horror Ooh. Store. Horror Store. Horror Store? The Haunted Ikea. Um, mm-hmm. And that one I've already read. And? Dun, dun, dun. It was great. Um, it, I don't think, I didn't love it as much as my best friend's exorcism, but it gets so many points for d- the design of the book because it looks like an Ikea catalog. All of the chapter titles include like descriptions for furniture and, you know, the copyright page looks like one of those things you would fill out where you mark down all the furniture you want to buy. Oh, yeah. Um, the free meatball, and the free meatballs that came with it were great. <laughs> and, you know, the concept is just so good. I have a few quibbles with the um, plot, but overall, four stars. Nice. Tight. I recommend. Uh, tight, tight, tight. Does anybody else have any shame before I move on to my last topic? I have like 
the most anti-shame ever yeah. because we are moving as well. That was my last topic. I uh, wanted okay. to talk to you about you letting go of all these books. Tell us. Yeah. So everybody's moving. We're all moving. Mm-hmm. It's great. And you know, when you move and you get a lot of books, it's suddenly you're like, why do I need all these heavy, heavy things? I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I think probably out of the, um, the three households represented on this podcast, we have the smallest book collection and we slashed it. We have probably like one box of books left, one like cube of books, like two feet on wow. each side. Um, and yeah, we let a lot of books go and it was great. Two questions. <laughs> How did you choose the ones that you kept? Question one. Question two, what did you do with those other ones? Did you put them in the bat house? Other ones, straight in the bat house. Oh. Um, other ones went to um, Goodwill. Okay. Um, where I always feel like, here, yeah, have some top-notch books. Maybe. Do you like someone these? like looks at the bucket and they're like, wow. <laughs> Can we catch that guy? Can we give him like something? Um, and then how I kept the ones, basically, had I not read it yet, so it was a couple of ones on the to read list, or is it like a super special edition? Like uh, my wife got me these special edition Ursula K. Le Guin books. Um, actually, there's several Ursula K. Le Guin books, including we have a really 70s cover uh, for the Wizard of Earthsea trilogy, mm. where it's just like classic fantasy drawings of like dragons that look just like weird lizards <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to describe the aesthetic but we have some cool editions of stuff like that so haven't read it yet or incredible edition that we can't let go or ursula k Le Guin. yeah there you go <laughs> it's an easy rule that's awesome wait i have a question toby yes how many copies of the stormlight archive did you take with you i mean you need at least three right because in case there's a fire you keep one in the in the, the in the black box uh-huh. yeah <laughs> and if there's something really tall you need to reach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. actually this may shock pages i've only ever read the audiobooks for the stormlight archive that so, doesn't shock me you read a lot of audiobooks that's true but that reminds me i almost missed this my dad oh yeah He's digging the Stormlight Archive. He's getting into it. Last time he was on page 80. Uh, And then I spoke to him a week later, and he's on, like, page 200. So he's like... Doug Watch 2021. Uh Uh-huh. He's talking about all the spren. Shard blades. Shard. Thank you. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) All right. Well, Toby, in the midst of all this moving, all this deciding which books to keep and which books to throw to the bats, you read a book. What book did you read? That's right. I read a book. It was called... The Metamorphosis and Other Stories by Franz Kafka. Winged beetle, Quinker, winged beetle, Samsa. winged beetle. Samsa, Samsa, Samsa. Um, so I, I think probably if you listen to this podcast, you have a pretty good idea of who Franz Kafka was. Um, he's a legendary literary author, um, kind of known for his own brand. Um, I'm sure Andrew will go more into facts about him. But, you know, I knew before this book basically what everybody knows, like, kind of horror stuff um supposed to be very bleak about kind of the modern condition um and his most famous story by far is the metamorphosis toby would you say this book was very kafka-esque it was extremely kafka-esque and that was (laughs) my main problem with it your main problem with the book by kafka is that it is too kafka-esque yep yeah all right good i just wanted to get that on record and make sure you said it clearly (laughs) (laughs) yep so just in case um, it's tickling your brain and you don't remember exactly why, um, the metamorphosis is the story where the guy wakes up and he's, uh, a, some some translations say a giant insect, some translations say a giant vermin. Mm. Um, Kafka is deliberately vague about what he actually is. I think a lot of people end up assuming he's a cockroach, yeah. but Kafka... 
there's like some line notes in the back of this one and he was he was very specific he even published an edition of the book um and the the publisher wanted to put an illustration of a bug in bed or something in there Mm -hmm. and kafka said no I never want it drawn. I never want it to be explicitly said what he is. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know how when you're a kid, uh, you hate vegetables? Sure. Right? No. I was a good child, but continue. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, you grow up, and then and then you have, like, Brussels sprouts that are, like, grilled or something, and you're like, wow, these are really good. Like, yeah. And then, you know, basically, that's how I feel about a lot of these classic literature books, especially ones that kind of hang out on our to-read lists forever, mm-hmm. is you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's going to be, like, good for me to read it, in air quotes. Mm-hmm. But then you read it and you're like, wow, that's so amazing. Like, why did I never read this before? But then every once in a while. Robinson Crusoe. You have a Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> you have a plate of broccoli that is wet and sad and gross. <laughs> and that was the Metamorphosis and Other Stories by Whoa. Franz Kafka for me. Oh, wow. These stories and this style are everything that I fear classic literature is going to be, which is just like... Pretty boring, <laughs> um, pretty uninspiring, just not fun to read at all. Just like a real slog. And wow. that's that's how I felt about it. Um, so I'm going to do my orcs first. That was a pretty big orc right there. And then I'll do my elf. I'm going to do an entire story, which is in the public domain, of Franz Kafka to make a point. Great. My orcs are that all of, all of the stories, at least in this collection, um, the longer they were, they worse, the worse they were. They all started out with really great opening sentences, opening images. The metamorphosis is like a perfect example of this. This man wakes up and he's a bug. He's a he's a human-sized insect in his bed, and he has to deal with that. Um, it's a great idea. Um, you can kind of see how the imagery works, the kind of, you know, what he's trying to say about modern society and how it dehumanizes us and the kind of cruelty of having to work at a job you hate over and over and the kind of pressures of family, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, great opening image. And then it just kind of goes on and on in this interminable cyclical prose that just kind of repeats itself and has the same problem that this character is kind of bumping their head against the wall over and over again. Now, I get it. It's intentional, right? It's Kafka-esque. It is mm-hmm. horrifying because it is so true. It could, it, like, life can feel that way sometimes. And I think it is accurate. But man, oh man, it was just so awful. <laughs> I didn't want to read it anymore. <laughs> like, it's just, oh, God, like... Horror to me can be really fun and it can be very, it can teach us a lot of things about modern life. But this was just the teaching us things about modern life um, without the fun, which is where I got the... It's too Kafka-esque. <laughs> it's too Kafka-esque. And it is, it is like eating bad vegetables, right? Mm. It's still good for you, but there's no pleasure in it. Um, so that those are my orcs. And most of the stories for me were like that. And the longer they were, the Stoker is really long. Uh, starts out with a cool idea. This uh, immigrant is coming to America and he loses his luggage. And he has to go back into this gigantic ship and try and find something. I forget what he's trying to find. But it, it's really cool and the imagery is strong. And then it just gets stuck in this plot that goes nowhere and is super boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the stories, I found them to be like that. Now, the shorter they were, the better I liked them. Uh, in the penal colony, I really liked. It was on the shorter side, still kind of long. That's one about a man is a, called a traveler. Mm-hmm. And he's in this penal colony and he's being shown this 
torture device, which is like a gigantic set of needles that inscribes the condemned man with like a sentence that they've passed on him. It like scrapes away his skin with needles until he dies. It's really horrifying and really gross. And it actually has a plot that moves forward. There's actually like stakes and a question that the main character is being posed. It's great. That's one of my favorite ones. And my very favorite one is a one-page story that I will read to you in its entirety. It's going to be all of my elves. It's so short, I thought it'd be fun, like a unique thing we can do on the show. You guys can hear a whole Franz Kafka story. A message from the Emperor. This This is originally published in 1919. The Emperor, or so they say, has sent you his single most contemptible subject, the minuscule shadow that has fled the farthest distance from the imperial sun, Only to you has the emperor sent a message from his deathbed. He has had the messenger kneel beside his bed, and he has whispered the message to him. So important was this message that he made him repeat it in his ear. He has confirmed the accuracy of the words with a nod of his head. And then, before all the spectators assembled to witness his death, every wall obstructing the view had been knocked down, and on the freestanding, vaulted staircases, all the dignitaries of the empire were gathered in a circle. Before them all, he has dispatched the messenger. The messenger sets off at once, a strong and tireless man, sometimes thrusting ahead with one arm, sometimes with the other. He beats a path through the crowd. Where he meets resistance, he points to the sign of the sun on his breast, and he forges ahead with an ease that that could be matched by no other. But the throng is so thick, there's no end to their dwellings. If only there were an open field before him, how fast he would fly. Soon you would surely hear the glorious rapping of his knock on your door. But instead, how vain his efforts are. He is still only forcing his way through the chambers of the innermost palace. He will never reach the end of them. And even if he did, he'd be no closer. He'd be no closer. He would still have to cross the courtyards. And after the courtyards, the second outer palace. And still more stairs and courtyards. And still another palace. And so on for thousands of years. And even if he did finally burst through the outermost gate. But that could never, ever happen. The Empire's capital would still lie before him. There is no one who could force his way through here. Least of all with a message from a dead man. But you sit at your window and dream it up as evening falls. Yeah, it's very cool. So that was my favorite story by far. Emotional, intense, beautiful language, short. Andrew, what's your relationship with Kafka? Well, friends or enemies? Or- enemies? Yeah, well, we have a texting relationship. It's one of those things where we text each other on our birthdays, but like, do we really talk much in between? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it feels like a chore to text him on his birthday and you're like, oh, mm. I forget. But here's the thing. His birthday's every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I, I like Kafka. I Bailey, maybe you remember this. Every year in high school, we had to write a research paper on a different subject. And our junior year assignment was an author. And I picked Kafka. So I spent like the better part of four months reading a bunch of different works of his and then writing like a 15 page research paper on him. So so your facts better be dynamite. They are not because I do not remember what I wrote in this <laughs> research paper too many years ago. Oh, at this man. Point. If you just if you just whipped out the paper <laughs> and just read it, that'd be really fun. That would be awesome. I wish I had it, but I don't. So no, I have a certain like ingrained affection for for him, but I agree with your criticisms. I remember thinking Metamorphoses super dragged. I remember thinking Hunger Artist dragged. I remember thinking um, his shorter stories tended to have the most pop. And, and one of my favorite short stories of his to this day is is a similar length to what you're talking about. It's called Poseidon. It's available in his complete works. It's a sort of similar idea. It's about the god Poseidon, but he's actually just kind of wrapped up in all his administrative work. And it's just like talking about him being like, he wishes he could go see the ocean, but this all the stuff he's got to do. He doesn't trust the people he's working with. Maybe in a few years, he'll have time to take a little tour. It's like three paragraphs long. It's basically the idea of the metamorphoses in three paragraphs instead of in 50 pages. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't begrudge your criticisms, but I do have a certain affection for the man. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair. So Toby, when it comes down to it, how many stars and will you keep it on your tiny, tiny shelf? Three stars will definitely not keep it on my shelf. Why, yeah. why three? It seems like you really hated it. I didn't. That's the thing. I didn't hate it. I wasn't going to give it two stars. And the man deserves respect. When people are breaking ground, I think it's easy to look back from the year 2021 and be like, well, I've heard this kind of story before. or I've trod this ground before, which is why I think if I was reading these in 1919, it'd be like, oh, my gosh, like this is I can't believe he's writing about stuff like this. I've never heard it expressed like this. So I think there's a certain amount of respect that I give him for being like that. And you also know that from the grave, Franz Kafka checks Goodreads, so you don't yeah, want- with yeah. his gigantic eyes. Yeah. So in a way, mission accomplished. It's true. Five stars. Cool. Andrew, do you have any, you know, Kafka-esque facts for us? Yeah, they're very Kafka-esque, and I do wish I could just pull out my research paper <laughs> from junior year of high school, but no. Um, so because Kafka is such a big figure, I've fallen down the trap before of trying to encompass big figures, like writing their whole like a book report about them. So I'm just going to give you a quick biography about them and then some weird facts about, about Mr. Kafka. Cool. Franz Kafka was born in Prague on July 3rd, 1883, and died on June 3rd, 1924. His uh, family were German-speaking Jews. Prague was at this point part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, um, and he was raised middle class. He trained as a lawyer and ended up getting work uh, to pay the bills as an insurance agent, uh, worked for an insurance company. He always dreamed about writing full-time and had these like plans to make bank writing travel guides for thrifty tourists. That was like what he was going to do. He never really ended up doing it, but... That was part of his dream. His travel guides must have sucked. Yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Kafka was the oldest of his siblings. He had two brothers who died in infancy, and he had three sisters who outlived him by quite a while, but they were all victims of the Holocaust. He never married during his life, but had numerous relationships and at least three engagements, so... Doing pretty well on mm. that front. They liked the very opening image of him, and then they got tired as the story went on. It's very Kafka-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote letters extensively, and some of his letters to his friends and lovers have been published, so you can get a sense of what he would uh, write to people if you want to read that. Mm. Um, he was intensely self-critical and was convinced no one thought of him as smart or good-looking. Read what you will about that and the image of turning into an insect. Um, though contemporary accounts suggest he was just being hard on himself, people tended to like him. Um, while he wrote constantly, very little of what he wrote was published during his lifetime, and he left mountains of unfinished work upon his death, but the, we'll have some more on that later. He was diagnosed with tuberculosis in 1917 and only lived until he was 40, dying in 1924. So that's broad strokes what Kafka got up to in his life. All right. Here are mm-hmm. some facts about him. Um, he had a constant friend throughout his life named Max Brode, who ended up sort of controlling his um, literary legacy afterwards. He was deathly afraid of mice, obsessed with the idea that they would take over his apartment. Uh, speaking of his apartment, it had the exact same layout as Gregor Samsa's in The Metamorphosis. Okay. Apparently, it was the exact same apartment. Do you all know what a Fletcherist is? Is it a person who puts the... Feathers on arrows. No, that's a Fletcher. A Fletcherist refers to someone who subscribed to a specific nutritional fad, uh, which got a lot of uh, famous writers involved, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was apparently very gullible. He also loved seances. And what it is, is that to get complete nutrition from food, you needed to chew it until it was liquid. The chewing thing. He chewed every bite of food hundreds of times until it turned into liquid and was completely disappeared because apparently that was healthy. I mean, it will make you consume fewer calories, I'm sure. I think you do. I think people did end up 
up eating less, but it was, yeah. I've heard descriptions of it that sound just absolutely disgusting, especially because if you were at dinner with someone, you would just chew and chew and chew and chew. And, ugh. So imagine Franz Kafka's face and imagine him chewing thousands of times at a dinner party <laughs> while making eye contact with you. There go you ahead, go. Dylan. Wow. How Kafka-esque. And I know this is what's ever on everybody's mind, but unfortunately, rumors that he invented hard hats are probably false. Kafka's work was banned in his native Prague until 1989 due to its conflicting nature with communist ideals. Uh, though Kafka himself was a socialist and had some anarchic sympathies, so he wasn't like a capitalist by any means, but they still banned his work. He has an asteroid named after him, which passes by Earth every 523 days. Hmm. Cool. And finally, he requested that all his work be burned at his death, all his non-published work. Max Broad, his literary manager, refused to do this and cobbled mm. together the heavy hitters such as The Trial, The Castle, and America out of these papers. So all of his novels or novellas were not published during his lifetime. And in fact, the majority of his stuff was not published during his lifetime. Uh, um, and then also his final lover, Dora Diamant, refused to burn his work against his wishes as well. But those papers were confiscated by the Gestapo. And rumors are that they're still out there. And there is a, an organization based at San Diego, Uni San Diego State University called The Kafka Project that is dedicated to searching for these documents. Well, that's a movie. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> and last but not least, Kafka is buried in Prague and his grave can be visited there along with a museum and other sites dedicated to him and his work. Great facts, Andrew. Um, I really regret that you don't have your uh, junior year research paper, but you know, we'll have to live with it. So Bailey, I heard you read The Woman in Log 9. Wow, I'm tired. Bailey, did you read a did you read a book this week? I did. Okay, what book did you read? I read The Woman in Log Nine. <laughs> what? That's not true. I see it there on the couch staring Lies. at me. I tricked you. The Woman in Cabin Ten by Ruth Ware. Rain, rain, rain. The ship. Boats? Come sail what? away. Come it's sail, it's come a sail cabin. Away? It's like a boat. So that's the water from the North Sea, Toby. Oh man, come on. So. The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware is a one of those lady thrillers, you know. <laughs> You've thrown this term around several times now. And I am sure most of our listeners find it objectionable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It is a thriller me. starring a lady um, that ladies generally like Whoa. to read in book clubs. Like the gone girl on the train with the dragon tattoo? Yeah. That's Those by are a man. all three books that I enjoyed the heck out of. Nothing saying you I'm can't not, enjoy Lady Fulton's. Bailey is. She's no, saying these I, are lady. Why is it bad if it's a lady book? You said Toby? that ladies enjoy. Why is that bad? It's not bad. I'm just saying it's. It's. I feel excluded. Oh, you got flipped on that, Toby. Oh, Toby. I feel excluded. All right. So uh, this book is a lady thriller, which I like, which is a good thing. <laughs> and the plot is. Rear window, girl on a train, on a boat. Yeah, I was going to say, even looking at the edition you have here on the couch, it could be mistaken at a distance for the girl on the train. Yeah. Like the actual edition of the girl on the train that I read. It's one of those, you know, they all have girl and woman in the mm -hmm. title, woman in the window, similar plot. Similar color palette in, for the cover. In case you aren't familiar, um, there is a journalist. She is frazzled and having trouble sleeping and drinking a lot to cope with something that's going on in her life. Wait, this is the woman in cabin 10, right? Yep. No, this is girl yep. on the train. Nope, this is the woman in cabin 10. That sounds a lot like girl Yep, and she, but she goes on a cruise for work. Okay, that's um, different. Really fancy boat. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. She meets um, a woman in the cabin next to her. Guess what cabin it is? Cabin 42. Nope. <laughs> she meets the person next door in cabin 10. Then late at night, she hears a scream, a splash, sees blood, 
goes to find the, you know, the, the steward in charge of security and says, this woman has been murdered. What cabin is she in? And here's the thing. <laughs> nobody admits to knowing that woman was on board. <gasps> so they think that she's just, you're crazy. You're not sleeping. How, ca- how Kafka-esque. Is it like the lady vanishes? It's like all the lady thrillers you can imagine. <laughs> Wait, you're saying the girl in cabin 10 is gone? It's a little different than Gone Girl. I, I will say I will distinguish that different. I feel like we're giving this book a lot of shade without even knowing like that much about it. I want to be very clear. I never said anything negative about it being for women. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Toby and I just like boy thrillers. <laughs> okay, here's my review of the woman boy in cabin 10. Boy thrillers is a completely different genre. It is. Spies. Okay. Bosch. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You step off, Bosch. Uh, John Grisham. Okay, these. this book was interesting enough, is what I wrote down. Uh-oh. Love it. <laughs> this book was extremely popular. I think it was on the top of the bestseller list. And you know, it's a great beach read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for like an Agatha Christie, a Gone Girl, I really like those better. But this is like, you know, one step down from that, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's not, it's not terrible. It's not bad. It kept me going. I was interested. I wanted to know, you know, how the mystery played out. Um, I did guess the ending, but, you know. You're a good ending guesser, it seems. I am pretty good at it. Mm. Um, there's um, some scary scenes, but, you know, a familiar premise, as we've said. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the plot stuff I didn't feel like was completely tied up in a satisfying way. There's something that is introduced in the first few chapters that never comes back that disappointed me. So you're saying she goes a little overboard? Mm, Barely yes. is it that the boat is alive. No. Okay, good. Because that would be an awful twist. Don't go in that room. That one's the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it was breezy. The cruise goes to Scandinavia. And, you know, I love Scandinavia. It's great. Sounds lovely. The Aurora Aurora Borealis. Sounds very beautiful. It's weird because we actually have not seen the Aurora Borealis. I know. Dylan and I went on our honeymoon to Iceland and we booked a like Northern Lights tour. Mm. And, and they they told you that there is a chance you will not see the Northern Lights. Yeah, it's like a whale watching tour. Like the night we did it, that it was cloudy. Ugh. But then they gave you a lifetime guarantee that if you ever come back, you can get a free ride there. And I really want to wait like 30 years. I know. I wonder yeah. like how many people actually take them up on it. Probably not many. Probably but not many. We could, but it could be us. That'd be very sad. All this to say this book was fine. I ended up reading most of it like in one night, um, mostly because I put it off. Um, No fault of the book, just Mm -hmm. doing puzzling stuff. But you know, I wouldn't read it again. Mm -hmm. So this book, I picked it up in a little free library and I think it's going to go back to one. I think it's a perfect little free library book. And if you like lady thrillers, no matter your gender, Mm -hmm. you should pick it up if you want a light breezy read. I give it three stars, and okay. I will put it in the little free library. How many cabins out of ten do you give it? Ooh, five. Ooh. All right. On the back, it says it goes well with SPF. I think that oh. just means it's a beach it's read. Beach read, yeah. yeah That's beach a read very weird sure. way of saying that, though. It says this beach read thriller has sun suspense and goes well with SPF. There's no sun in this book. There's someone misunderstanding that and, and putting sunscreen on that book for sure. This book takes <laughs> place trying. in the North Sea. I don't know. I don't think they read it. Um, Andrew, do you have any facts on Miss Ruth Ware? I do. All right, Ruth Ware. Y'all ready to hear about her? Yeah. yeah. Woot. All right, so uh, Ware was born in 1977 in Lewis, UK, uh, as Ruth Warburton. Where is an alias? Um, she studied English at the University of Manchester with a focus on Old English and Middle English. After leaving school, she had a number of jobs before making it as a writer, including waitressing, selling books, teaching English in Paris, and working as a publicist. In 2013 and 2014, Ware published five young adult fantasy novels under her given name, all involving witches. And this is actually why she uses a, a pen name 
for her thrillers, she wanted to distinguish between her young adult work and her thriller work, so she changed it to where? Like Victoria Schwab. She goes by V.E. Schwab or Victoria Schwab, depending. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. In 2015, her breakthrough came with the publishing of In a Dark, Dark Wood, which Toby absolutely loves, I found out by looking on Goodreads. Toby gave it one star on Goodreads. One star? Did you even finish it? I did, in a fury. One star? That was a real stinky book. No. All right, but we're not talking about In a Dark, Dark Wood. We're talking about some other sweet, sweet books. She has published five more novels since then. uh, The Woman in Cabin 10, 2016, The Lying Game, The Death of Mrs. Westaway, The Turn of the Key, and One by One, all in sequential years. So she has kept going. Uh, She began writing at a young age, uh, filling notebooks and binders, but never showed them to anyone. Um, She says she shoved them under her bed. And requested the bed to be burned. (laughs) This pattern continued until her early 30s when it came to a head. This is a quote from Ware on her website. Eventually, when I was in my 30s and had two very small children, I realized that my writing was a hobby and I didn't really have time for hobbies anymore. I was snatching writing time in 30-minute chunks here and there while my baby napped, time I should have more sensibly have spent washing my hair or catching up on my own sleep. And I realized that unless I did something drastic, I was going to find my writing time whittled down further and further until it disappeared altogether. So... That's a mood. Mood. So she sent her work to agents and obviously has had some success since then. Uh, It took about four years between her starting to send out her work in in a dark, dark wood getting published and probably less time for her young adult stuff to start coming out. So she was sitting on some things that could have gotten published the whole time. So that's a lesson to all you pages out there. Don't be afraid. Send your work out. Share it to people. Don't be a Kafka. Uh, The rest of this comes from her website. When asked about comparisons to her and her books, she says, I should probably admit that by far the most interesting thing about me is my books, which are full of murder, family secrets, toxic friendships, and things that go bump in the night in contrast to my own very mundane, peaceful existence. I'm often asked which of my characters most resembles me, and I'm never sure quite how to feel about this since my main characters are usually complicated, conflicted, lonely, spiky, and sometimes downright criminal. Of course, they're also brave, defiant, dogged, and occasionally very selfless, much more so than me, actually. If I was faced with half the setbacks my characters encounter, I'm pretty sure I'd pack up and go home. It's fair. Yeah. Fairware. Three of her books, including The Woman in Cabin 10, have been optioned for film slash TV production, and she lives in Brighton in the UK with her family. Nice. Andrew. Yeah, what's up? Did you write a game for us? Did you write a game for us? Did you write a game for us? I did write a game for you. I mean, I I wrote it down in a Word document, so I made it and I I wrote it down. You're a game author. Excellent. Now put it under your bed and don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I will never speak of this again, and I will burn my computer after we finish recording this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want us to burn all of your unplayed games when you die? (laughs) Good luck finding them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so here's the game. Are you guys ready? Yeah. It's going to be fun. Okay. All right. So the game this week is called Cruisin' for a Literary Bruisin'. Ooh. 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 And here is how the game is going to work. First of all, let me just give you a a premise. All three of you can play. And in fact, all three of you have to play for it to work. Uh Uh-oh. Dylan's invited on the cruise. Yay. Yay. Cruise time. So you're spending time with your friends on a literary cruise full of fun events like author talks and murder mystery parties until that boat one evening hit an iceberg. No one reacted to the warnings because everyone was also big fans of Titanic and they thought it was like an experiential thing that they were going to act out Mm -hmm. Titanic. But there was a real iceberg. The boat sank. I was on the boat. I drowned. You guys are playing the game now. Don't worry about me. A lot of very grim, sad backstory. Well, I mean, he is dead. So now we can play his games whatever we want. Yeah. And it's impossible to set them on fire because they're in the water. Okay. So... Now you three are trapped on a lifeboat. There's land off in the distance, so there's some hope there, but none of the three of you know very much about boats. But there's a manual that outlines the steps about how to use the boat, how to get yourself safely to shore. Only thing, okay. do y'all really know your nautical terms? Ooh. Mm. 
Ahoy. <laughs> Ahoy is a great one. Um, Port. Well, we'll see Starboard. if you know what those things mean. Landlubber. Landlubber, great. <laughs> I don't actually need you to list them now. Here's what I need you to do. Mm-hmm. Coxswain. Yep. Raise great. the anchor. Nope. Shiver me timbers. I'm just going to keep saying maybe, but here's how the game <laughs> is going to actually work. Um, I'm going to give you a nautical term. Uh, if you get it correct, you get a success. Six successes get you to shore. Wrong, and you get a punishment. So mm. here's where the die I brought you comes in. If you get one wrong... I will roll Mm -hmm. the die, and I have six corresponding Kafka stories that each have a punishment for you based on the plot of that story that will affect the gameplay. Okay. Mm. Love it. All right. If you get five punishments, you lose. Six successes, you you win. This can move very quickly. Technically, it always needs to be somebody's turn, but you can work together. So we'll start with Bailey, and it's Bailey's turn. That's only because the punishment could happen to her versus somebody else, but you can all work together to guess the definition. Make sense? Uh, So we're we're all in one boat, but we will suffer separate punishments as right. the god of this cruel universe sees fit. Think of it like you're all in the same boat, but each of you take turns trying things, and those mm-hmm. things have yeah. punishments, Or, but you can talk about it together before someone tries something. Okay. You got it. Bailey, you're first. Okay, let's go. Starboard. It means right. The right side. That is correct. That's one success. Well done. Ha. I should pass that for the main driving test. Ahoy, the shore draws nearer. Yep, you're one-sixth of the way to the shore. Alright, uh, Toby, you're next. Are you ready? Got it. Astern. Not stern, astern. Spelled A-S-T-E-R-N. I'm going to guess that it means like off the back of the boat. Like if it's astern, it's behind us. The stern is the back, right? Right. Isn't the front? No. No, the bow is the front. You you don't get a turn. (laughs) You don't have to be so stern with me. (laughs) Astern. Are we just going to say that? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Saying something is astern means it's located behind the boat, like to the back of the boat. Well, I'm glad you got one wrong so I can punish you. No, no. You're very correct. You're correct in that the stern is the back of the boat. A stern specifically means the boat is moving backwards like it's in reverse. Oh, okay. All right. So you ready for your first punishment? The boat is twerking. Got it. All right. So here's the deal. I'm going to roll that corresponds to a a Kafka story. There's one of them that's actually a benefit. So maybe you'll get the one benefit out of the punishments, but we'll see. All right. You got number two, the metamorphosis. So appropriate. Toby, you are turned into a giant winged beetle, and it shocks your friends so much that you lose a round of turns. So now, you can only get three more wrong. All of us or just Toby? All Everybody. Can Toby fly to shore? Yeah, later losers. The the tragedy of Gregor Samson is he never realized that he had wings. Hope you guys don't uh, move astern. All right, so that counts as both a mistake and also a punishment. So you are down to only being able to make three more mistakes. I'm so sorry. I got it. Okay, I got it. (laughs) All right, Dylan, let's see what you know. Ahoy. Port quarter. Would it be port is left? Would it be a quarter left? No, wait, would it be a cabin? Like Like a room on the left side? Sure. Sounds right to me. I'm just a bug. I, I'm going to give this to you as a success. Uh, it technically means the back left quadrant of the ship, but... That's eh, close enough. Yeah. All right, my turn. My turn. All right, your turn. Bailey, this one's going to be tough for you. Okay. Bow. <laughs> it's the front of the boat. That's correct. No, it's when you finish the play. You're halfway there. You've only had two of your five dings. <laughs> All right. Toby, windward. Windward. Isn't it when they um when Is you, it you're sailing into the wind? Yeah, you're so, or no, I thought you were sailing with the wind. I think it's with the wind, yeah. Okay. Direction. Yeah. Um interpret this. Do you know what that do you know what I said, Andrew? Yes. You said you're going with the wind. 
I'm not going to give you this one because mm. it specifically means the side of the boat that's closest to the wind. So whichever side the wind is going for, that's the windward side. Ugh. Also, when I was buzzing, I said, my life is a hellscape from which there is no escape. I am a giant bug. So you got mm. that wrong. So. Yeah, but it was irrelevant. So like we cut it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Punish me again. Oh, cruel. Oh, cruel master of fate. <laughs> so this is a, this counts as your third punishment because of that earlier ding. And here it is. Number three, the trial. Your partners turn on you, but won't tell you why. You can't help anybody until somebody else messes up and the blame shifts. So, Toby, you're not allowed to talk during Dylan or, or Bailey's turns now. Maybe they've turned against me because I turned into a giant bug and lost two <laughs> and got two questions wrong. We won't say why. You know what you did. <laughs> All right. So you still have two more incorrect answers to give and three more to get to the shore. Let's see what we can do here. Dylan, your turn. Keel. It's I can't help you, and I know the answer. Keel? Yeah, isn't that the uh, the um, main wooden post in the middle of the ship? Don't look at Toby. You're not allowed to look at Toby. The wooden You're post in the middle Bailey, of the ship? Though. The keel? I thought the keel was like on the bottom of the boat or like a direction thing. It's not direction. It's a part of a boat, I think. No, no. I mean a thing that you turn and you move the direction. That's a rudder? Yeah. I, I would say the wooden post in the middle of the boat. Are you happy with that, Bailey? Are you happy with that, Dylan? Yep. Cool. Sure. You're incorrect, Dylan. You're about to be punished. Bailey was so much, so much more correct than you. It is a long, heavy fin under the boat in the water that provides stability. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Punish him. Oh, now I can talk again. Yeah, you can punish. You can you can talk again. Someone else messed up. Toby's allowed to help. But Dylan, your punishment is number one hunger artist you are so hungry that you can only help out every other round so you can't help this next round but you'll be able to help on toby's turn can i eat toby (laughs) (laughs) just try it (laughs) the next one i think you'll get bailey your turn port port is the wait why do you keep giving me the easy ones i don't keep giving you the easy ones i keep giving you the ones that show up on your turn okay well port is left port is left all right, that is correct. Now you only Yay. need two more to get close to shore. You're so close. You're two thirds of the way there. Toby, it's your turn. Dylan, you're allowed to help again on this one. I'm starving. <laughs> you're so hungry. Um, lines. lines. Lines? Does he mean like the rigging, maybe? Yeah. How are the ones he asked me? I have no idea. I know. I don't know yours either. Um, I'm going to say the rigging. Yes? Ropes. Ropes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you. There you go. Yay. This is beautiful. Okay, so you've gotten so close to the shore. You're one correct answer away from getting to shore. And you're also one punishment away from being killed. If we fail, I'm going to jump out the boat and swim. I'm just going to fly away. I'm fine. Just hanging out. <laughs> not if I eat uh, first. Now, now, Dylan is not able to help on this round, but it yeah. is his thing. So can, they're allowed to help me. Can we help him? You can help him. So, Dylan, you effectively lose your turn, Dylan. You can't help out with this. Bailey and Toby have to answer instead. Sound good? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so just keep quiet. Because you're so hungry, you started gnawing on the oars. Nom, yeah. nom, nom, <laughs> nom. <laughs> All right. Helm. Helm. The helm is like um, at the helm. It's like controlling the ship. Yeah. It's like the captain stands there. Or, uh, is it the turny thing? That's the wheel. Yeah. But but if you're the, at the helm, you're like standing. I think, and, I think, yeah. The yeah. helm is like where the ship's wheel is. It's like yeah. a location. Like it's when in Titanic, they were like, iceberg right ahead. Sure. Yep. So that's what we say. So it's where in Titanic they said iceberg right ahead. Oh, cruel God. <laughs> no, wait, but but not, 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 the, not the guy that's the lookout, but like when he ran up to the captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. 
So you guys know that the helm is where you steer the boat and where the wheel is. I'm going to give that to you as a correct answer. Congratulations, you make it to shore. You see the boat Yay! sink out, but you are safe. Dylan finds some coconuts to eat, even though apparently you're in a place with icebergs. So I guess he finds like some root vegetables. He kills a no, no. penguin. He kills a penguin. He's great. Uh, I'm a bug forever, so my life is is over. <laughs> my, my life is great. I had no punishment. Oh. Congratulations, guys. You made it to shore. Do you want to know what the other punishments were just real quick? Yeah. Yes. All right, so you guys got Hunger Artist Metamorphosis and Trial. The castle would take an extra success to reach land because part of the plot of that is that it just becomes harder and harder to do something. Um, if you got number five in the penal colony, you died. We just would have killed one of, the, one of you. And if you got number six, Poseidon, a giant wave would push you forward and you'd gain two successes. Ooh. You, didn't have, you didn't hit any of those. So congratulations. Thank you for making it to shore. I hope you had fun playing the game this week. Yay. That was very fun. Very good game. All right, guys. Well, now is the point on the podcast. Great game, Andrew. Great game, Andrew. Now is the point on the podcast where Dylan uses a random number generator to choose books at random from our shelves to read next. It is time for The the Choosening. The Choosening. Hey, Toby. Yeah? What are we doing right now? Yelling away from our microphones. What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. Wow. That does have a ring to it. Number 61, Ooh. Ring Shout by P. DeJelly Clark. Ring Shout. I'm really excited. Um, this book, I think, is uh, very new. It was very hot on Goodreads for a while. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, the cover is like a creepy, like, like a KKK, KKK guy KKK member. Like a, like a horror. It's a horror mm-hmm. book, right? I might read the audiobook. Yes. Um, I think the vibes are pretty similar, um, at least. I don't know much about it, honestly, but it seems kind of like Lovecraft country style, Mm -hmm. um, Southern horror with like, yeah, a racial element to it. Cool. Um, So I'm really intrigued. I know almost nothing about it besides the fact that it was really hyped and it has good reviews and it seems up my alley. So I'm really excited. Awesome. Cool. Okay. What about me? And Bailey. Yeah. You're never going to be able to join the ballet with that attitude. It'll never be number nine, Black Swan Green. (laughs) (laughs) By David Mitchell. Okay, that was that was that really was reaching for it. Dylan. Real stretch, real yeah. stretch. Speaking of ballerinas, real stretch. Oh boy. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Black Swan Green is one of the David Mitchell ones. I haven't read. I have a lot of David Mitchell on my shelf, but mm-hmm. it is YA or like it's a coming of age book. It's coming of age. Yeah, I wouldn't describe it as YA. I've read it. Well, I the reason why it's on my shelf is because in grad school I took a class called teaching adolescent reading or something teaching Mm. reading to adolescents and everybody had to say their favorite YA book and someone was like black swan green and i was like writing that down toby looks Uh, shocked i wouldn't it's it like it's one of those ones where it's like what is ya is it books about kids or is it like stories that relate to kids this is a book about a child i don't think teenagers would love it well tbd i mean we also read oscar wow and i don't think that that's why heck no so. yeah same thing like a book about a kid in parts well it'll be a good counterpoint to the definite ya book the jungle that i'm reading for next week's episode <laughs> i can't wait to hear about that andrew all right so that means next episode in two weeks on the podcast andrew is reading upton sinclair's the jungle <laughs> Thrill ride a minute. And I am reading Black Swan Green by David Mitchell. 
Heck yeah. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the To Read List Podcast and on Instagram at the To Read List Podcast. And if you enjoyed what you heard, it would really help us out if you rated us and left a review for us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. It helps more people find our show and will grow our listenership and make us make new friends, which is what we're all about. If you have a friend who has been transformed into a gigantic insect, Say, calm down, friend. At the very least, I have this recommendation for you. It's a lovely podcast, and I will design for you special headphones to fit on your insect head. This is all to say, recommend <laughs> this podcast to your friends if they like books. Um, the best recommendation is one, uh, a personal one. So please, please do that. Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song. See you in two weeks. Happy reading. Books, books, books. books. books.